Spurs fam, what is going on? It is March 31st, 2019. And what a season it's been so far. We're actually almost done. I think we have about seven games left, six games left, something like that. Um, if you have followed the page or listened to any of the podcasts, thank you for following along. It's truly appreciated. Um, so let's get into it. The Spurs have had a crazy season. Um, I wish I could have done more podcasts, but my life has just been busy. So this is what you get. Um, I'm here just to kind of wrap up um, where we are in the season right now with you know seven or six games left. So with that being said, um, coming off the last game, a game where we really fought tooth and nail just to, to get a W um, against Cleveland who's not great, obviously, but it kind of seems like we get the best uh, shot from everyone every night. So um, it is what it is. Not a bad thing, Um, but for sure, um, any night we come out or especially when we're at home, um, you know, the the opposing team is like, hey, we're playing the Spurs. We got to give them our best shot or we're not going to get blown out. So every night is a battle, Um, even and especially in the West, like we've seen this year, even the bad teams are good. Devin Booker's put put up three straight games of fifty, and they I think he's lost two of those games. So uh, even in the you know even if you're putting up career numbers in the West, that doesn't guarantee you a win. Um, so with all that being said, with all the injuries, and I can't stress the importance of how big the Dejounte Murray injury was for. Um, just the the team camaraderie and just from a a standpoint of a guy who was integrated into the offense for two years. And this was supposed to be his season where he really, you know, especially when uh, Tony Parker um, decided to step away. Because I I could have seen a a scenario this year where Pop gave DeJounte the the start, but at times would still lean on Tony just for his, um, you know, being a veteran and knowing the Spurs system and knowing Pop and exactly what he wants. But when Tony left, the uh, the reins were completely given um, to Dejounte to uh, to definitely run the offense. But I think even more importantly, and we saw this in the in kind of um, the midpoint of the season where we were struggling defensively, is how important he is um, for us on the defensive end. He is the anchor on defense. He he sets the perimeter. So um, I just think it it, t- it took us a while, especially Pop. Um, you could see, I think Pop struggled with figuring out who to play and when. Uh, early in the season, we leaned on too much small ball in the front court or back court with um, Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills. Um, I think now you, when those guys play, it's always offset with a bigger lineup next to them. So we're not getting destroyed in the screen and roll game. So um, I think that's been interesting just to watch all season, the way Pop has kind of transformed the lineups. Because um, <clears throat> there was that stretch I forget who is it, it was against now. Um, I want to say it was probably January or maybe, no, not even. Maybe it was December, um, where we had those like there were three or four games in a row we lost by like thirty or thirty plus, like thirty-five one game. Um, and that's when you know a lot of fans were hitting the panic button. But the NBA is such a the season is such a roller coaster. You can't overreact to one thing, and I think. Um, 
especially, you know, this season's a great testament to it. The way Pop can watch things play out, you know, from a 10 to 15 game standpoint and adjust things is incredible. And I think if you gave this team, and this is not, I don't think we have a bad team, but I think it's two um, borderline all-stars, LaMarcus and and, uh, DeMar, who have both been, you know, um, DeMar is at 21.5 a game, six assists, almost seven, um, and six rebounds, almost seven as well. So we'll just say 21, seven, and seven. And then LaMarcus is at 21.5 a game, or 21.7 a game, and um, nine rebounds. And uh, DeMar is also, you throw in a steal in a a game um, in there as well for him. Um, so I think, uh, you know, those two guys are our anchors, obviously. They're very, very, they're the veteran leaderships. They're our, our go-to perimeter, or uh, not even perimeter, but um, just our go-to scores. Uh, the mid-range game is so strong with them. Um, I think it's interesting when we first, you know, when the whole uh, trade happened, I didn't know how their game would fit together because they both um, can shoot the mid-range game. But the cool thing, I think, if you watch the way Pop has worked the spacing is even at times when LaMarcus, you know, if he's, you know, hot one night and they decide to throw the double team, they're never, they're, they're usually not on the same side of the court. So even if there is a double team, they'll work the ball around and let, you know, DeMar get his looks. Um, so it, it's just been cool to watch the way Pop has, you know, trans, not tra- even transformed, but just work this whole lineups. Um, and I think another person who needs to get more credit is Jakob Pertl. Um, I think the the Pau Gasol leaving was he Pau saw the writing on the wall. Um, I think Pau was part of the reason we struggled in the beginning of the <clears throat> the season, and it's not his fault. Great dude, great competitor, um, and appreciate the years and the leadership he brought to the uh, the bench, you know, and just the locker room. But um, he was definitely hurting us in the small ball and pick and roll. Anytime he was in the game, they just immediately were like, okay, let's run a pick and roll with old. Pal, feel <laughs> the slow, tall guy. Um, so I, I hope he does well in uh, Milwaukee and helps their locker room and whatnot. Maybe he'll get some playoff minutes if someone gets hurt. Um, but he was just not helping us, and you could see the team um, thrive in the defensive end at times with Pirtle. Um, he's not perfect, and he's he's still definitely learning. But I think just the growth you've seen in what six months, five, four or five months, has been incredible. Uh, on the defensive end, um, he has a nose for the ball. Um, really plays the backboard well. Um, I don't know. He's, he's just one of those guys I could see in a couple years being you know a fifteen and, and ten guy. He he doesn't need to be you know twenty five and twelve and you know four blocks a night. He just needs to show up and you know like the rock says, know your role and shut your mouth. It's as simple as that. Show up and do your job. Um, and I think Pop has really you know kind of implanted that mindset and Pirtle and it's really shown up um so far for us in the season because ever since um Pop has given him more play time you can kind of see his mindset's kind of flipped I think he has confidence now um so anyway um I I think um another I saw an article today or was yesterday on Bleacher Report talking about um the Spurs probably wouldn't have made the playoffs this year if it was not for the growth of Derek White and I couldn't agree more um, the point in the season I was talking about earlier was right when um, White went out and we were starting to play well. He went out and then we just 
oh, it was bad. He was so good for us defensively and in the pick and roll offensively. He has been incredible this year for us. Um, so when, when he went down, we definitely struggled. Um, by the time he came back, <clears throat> and to his credit, he picked things up. Usually it takes a guy, a, a younger guy too, um, you know, a week, maybe a couple weeks to get their, you know, kind of bearings back. But White was just like instant. As soon as he came back in, instant impact. Um, and that's playing both. There was nights where he started. There was nights where he came off the bench, played tons of minutes. Nights where he played few but very impactful minutes. Um, so I have been so impressed with him. I cannot wait uh, next year. I don't know if we keep Rudy. I believe we have him for one. This is his last year. I think next year he has a player option. Um, we might have him for another year. I could be wrong, but... I want to see a lineup next year um, where it's DeJounte at the one, uh, Derek White, or, or yeah, Derek White at two, um, DeMar at three, and then I guess you could even put, um, yeah, LaMarcus at four and Pirtle at five. I just think that would be a big, a big time um, playoff lineup. You need to close games out. You have rim protection, scoring, um, perimeter defense, playmaking. It's just, well, that would be a great great playoff lineup i can't stress enough how good we're going to be next year when we get Dejounte back um lonnie walker has shown little flashes here or there um i think uh, you know an off season of working with the spurs um another uh nba um summer league to, to let him kind of grow and separate himself from the uh the younger guys um though i, I forget who it was a few years ago we had a couple guys Oh, Dejounte that went back <clears throat> after their first season, and Dejounte killed it in summer league, and I think that that helps their confidence. Um, so I guess next up, what to talk about would be uh, the playoff matchups. So right now, I believe we're the seven seed. Let me take a look. Um, I believe it we're seven. Yeah, we're the seventh seed right now, uh, with forty-four wins and thirty-two losses. Um, like I said earlier, today, March 31st, 2019, we are playing the Sacramento Kings at home tonight. Um, and the Kings are out of it. So um, I guess they could try to play, you know, butthead and beat us tonight. But most of these young teams, once it's done, they're already booking, you know, their trips to Jamaica and <laughs> their vacations with their family and whatnot. So hopefully um, the Kings kind of mail it in tonight and we can grab an easy win. Um <clears throat> Uh, that being said, Oklahoma City plays tonight, and they are one game below us. Or we're actually tied, but we have the tiebreaker, um, and they're losing to Dallas right now in the third by five. So hopefully they lose and we win. That would create some distance in between us, which would be nice. Um, so, yeah, let's see who else plays. Um, like I said, we play the Kings. The Wizards play the Nuggets, um, so nothing else. Oh, and the Clippers are playing the Grizzlies tonight late um, in L.A. So if we could, and I believe the Clippers are uh, a half ga- or a game and a half ahead of us. So if we could win tonight and they lose, it'll be a half game between us and the sixth spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anything's possible. I really want that sixth spot. Um, I just think that would be a much – I don't know if much is the word, but we'd be playing Houston. I feel like we play um, James Harden better than anybody in the league. Now, with that being said, 
I think he put up like a career high six. I don't know if it was career high, but a sixty-one against us. The you know a week and a half ago. Um, so I mean, if that's what it's going to take to beat us, good luck. But um, I like our odds against any team. But <clears throat> I would rather play Houston, honest, honestly. And there's a chance that if Houston can maybe um, you know lose some games here down the stretch that Portland could sneak into the three spot. And Portland is missing McCollum and Nurkic. Um, that's a team that, you know, is in need of some help, and or not even help, but um, it, it's all on Damian Lillard, which is not fair. And they have some good um, supporting guys, but that's a team that we could easily beat um, if we just, you know, buckle down and play team ball like we've been the past, you know, three months. Um, I, I think that's an easy win. And uh, so if we were the sixth seed, then I think uh, we'd play the winner of the Houston, uh, or I'm sorry, the Denver seven seed, whoever that would be, if it would be um, maybe Utah or the Clippers. So anyway, um, I like that route a lot better if we can somehow sneak in that sixth spot because um, playing Denver or Golden State is going to be tough. Um, and right now, Denver and Golden State are tied for one right now. So we'll see what happens. They both play tonight. Um, but I guess if I had to choose, uh, it, which is tough because Golden State, as good as they are, they have shown signs of weakness this year. Uh, KD and uh, Draymond just openly fighting on the bench. Um, Draymond allegedly calling um, KD a bitch and saying, we don't need you, we've done this before. And KD's kind of since then, he's not been aggressive or hostile, but his mindset has kind of changed. He's um, opened the door to... Uh, leaving in the offseason, which is odd. So the door is open. You just never know with these guys. Um, he could be back, or maybe that's it. It's, it's really hard to tell. Um, so we'll have to, just have to keep an eye on that situation. But uh, with Denver, um, they have zero playoff experience. I mean, literally zero. There's no one on that team who's done anything in the playoffs. Um, now, they have the most talented big man in the league, in my opinion, who it's crazy that there's no no one they're almost they're tied for first in the west and no one is talking about Nurk, or, um, Jokic as a um, <clears throat> MVP which is I think an embarrassment I don't care that it's a more of a guards game now if you've led your team to 51 and 24 you know that, that's a hell of a, a win or a um, record and they still have seven or eight games left so they could be you know upper 50s if they went out Let's hope they lose one to us this week. But um, I just think it's crazy he's not getting more run. But anyway, uh, of the two, I think I'd rather play Denver because, like I said, they just they do not have the experience that we do. Um, and I love Coach Pop in a series um, with any team that has one like main guy. Um, I think what would, what would happen is Pop would literally make it to where um, we would basically close – make everybody else try to score but Jokic you know bring the entire um double teams and all that good stuff the, the way Pop usually does he always schemes up a plan to make it hard on superstars if you remember the the LeBron uh finals he drove LeBron mad um, LeBron hated shooting open jump shots so Pop said every screen go underneath let him shoot wide open and kind of got in his head for the first four or five games in 2013 um, but anyway, <clears throat> this is a, a a great tactic that Pop has used for years, going back to even um, the Steve Nash days, where they'd be like, all right, one night we're going to try to make the team score, and the other night we're going to try to make just Steve Nash score. 
um, and just changing it up every night makes it tough to, to play against. So, um, with that being said, I just, I like our chances better against obviously a lower seed. Um, we'll have to keep our eye on that. And the, the amount of games between the three seed and the eight seed is incredible. It's only four games right now, four and a half games uh, or three and a half games. I'm sorry. Um, it's just, everything is so close. If you're not on your, you know, your game one night or, you know, for a week, if, if you guys are, you're lazy, you went out to the buffet or some of these NBA players going to the NBA players going to the, the strip club late at night. And if you have one of those weeks where you're going to, you know, LA or New York or Houston or, you know, New Orleans or something, maybe it's a problem. Um, but luckily for us, we we have good coaches and good coaching staff and good, seems like good dudes on the team. So I don't think that would be a problem for us. Um, all right. <clears throat> and then finally, I want to wrap it up. Manu and his retirement. I, you know, it's obvious, you know, he hasn't been there all season, but tonight, this week was the first week it kind of sank in like, oh man, he's gone. Um, I had the luxury last year of a friend gifting me some, uh, tickets to go see the Nuggets and Spurs play and I took my daughter uh, and saw her first game and we got court not courtside for seats but we walked down before the game and just got lucky enough to get an autograph and um, just kind of say hey and you know appreciate watching you all these years it's just been an honor and you know he's very gracious and um, took time and of course and it doesn't matter what city you go in there's always Argentinian fans who are just going nuts and there were about in Denver there were probably about 50 uh, before and after the game, Manu graciously waited, um, and not bashing anybody, but you know Tony Parker. You figure a lifelong love spur. A guy would stop and take nope, walked right by everybody. Just could care less, you know. And that's okay. That's his right. He's done this two trillion times. I get it. But Manu, he came by, and as he came by uh, to warm up, he, again he didn't have to do this. He stopped and was like, hey, I'm going to go warm up, but I'm going to come back and I'll sign autographs. Like, stay here. He didn't want the people who waited to see him when he went by to think that was it. So I just, I appreciated that as a fan. You can tell that he knows what he means to a lot of the people um, at these games. And even for me, I've been watching Manu since 2002. I remember, I remember the, who is Manu Ginobili? Who is this guy? And within, you know, 15, 20 games, you're like, all right, this dude's legit. Um, like Tim Duncan talked about, he just thought that this guy was just another, quote, experiment that the Spurs had stashed overseas and he would never see. And it took time for Manu to kind of um, ingratiate himself in the way he played. But once Pop figured out how to coach him, it really changed the, the Spurs and, like, Pop said there'd be no championships without Manu. And I saw the Asinines, Shannon Sharp, arguing with um, Skip Bayless. Shocking, right? But he was saying that there's no way that Manu Ginobili could be a top 30 or 50 player. Well, I'm here to say that's absolute absurd. So while you were playing football, Shannon, having your brains bashed in, uh, we were watching basketball. And I'm here to tell you that Manu Ginobili absolutely there's no question he's a top 50 but um there's an argument for top 30 absolutely and I, and it's not off playing um playing time or off of um statistics because he didn't play as many minutes as the average superstar he could have got more 
run if he would have been drafted to Orlando, let's say, or to Atlanta, a guy with, or to teams without star, that had no stars at the time. Manu could have been a 10-time All-Star. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he ever w- would have won any rings by himself, but the he fell into the perfect situation. Pop convinced him after the first year or so of trying to start, and it just not, not that it didn't work, but <clears throat> Manu being so much better coming off the bench when the other team was tired or brought their reserves in Manu killed them like that it would just disrupt the entire flow of the game for the other team to where they're having to now put guys in who are tired to you know come stop Manu by that time when Manu is getting you know put back on the bench then our starters are coming back it's, it was the perfect uh, marriage of um, you know talent and um, chemistry Manu and I love the the quotes from Pop where he was like I, I don't know how, I did not know how to coach him at first I would drive myself mad screaming and then eventually I realized that if I were to stop him thinking the way he thought that's what made him special and I think that's really cool that a coach like Pop that um, really embraced a style that was nothing like I mean name another player that played anything like Manu especially on the Spurs there's not we were fundamentals galore and here comes this guy, you know, pulling out the Euro step, bringing it from, um, you know, his his flair and style to the NBA. Um, he's brought so many things, a hammer pass uh, from corner to corner. Manu, and I'm not saying he was the first person to ever do that. LeBron does that a lot now, but I saw Manu do that all the time. Get the, the defense flowing one way and then throw the ball the exact opposite way to a wide open Bruce Bowen or Steve Kerr or Brent Barry. Um, you know, but anyway, Manu has just had so many awesome moments. Um, I think a couple of my favorite personal moments are the, the Manu dunk on Chris Bosch was incredible. The, I think it was 26 straight points, um, against Minnesota. They just could not stop him. He finished with like 42. Um, the, the three point shot against Golden State to pretty much, um, save us from going down 0-1 game one. Um, when they were the young Golden State, um, God, there's just so many great moments. He's saving the, his performance against Detroit uh, in the finals. Um, just so, even kind of his coming out party to me was the the run um, to the finals in 2003 with David Robinson that last season. Where he, I remember him getting that steal in the open court, and as he's getting it, Kerry Kittles is falling over. Most players are tripping at that or, like, letting the ball go. But Manu, like, bounced the ball extra hard. Like, all in, the, in this, like, he had the, the presence of mind to, like, look for, look at this as it's happening. So, he, Kerry Kittles is falling. Or maybe it's Kenyon Martin. I forget who it is. But he's falling into Manu from kind of from his side, coming from his right side. Manu bounces the ball harder than usual and jumps and, like, clears and hurdles him. And then catches the ball in stride and keeps dribbling and lays it up or dunks it to finish. And that was a part of that, like, we had like a 17 or no, like a 37 to like 14 run or something in that fourth quarter of, I think it was game three or four um, in New Jersey. Um, but anyway, uh, Monitor just had so many awesome moments. So anyway, Shannon Sharp, get out of here. You know football, but you do not know basketball. Um, and then I, I think Manu has to be considered the most popular spur ever. Like, yeah, I'm not saying he's the greatest spur. Tim Duncan is the greatest spur. It's not even close. Um, and you could even argue that Tony Parker probably has some greater stats. Um, 
than Manu, but Manu was just such a winner and competitor. It's just, um, and he really like captured a, like, like I was saying earlier, every game you can see there are fans from Argentina there. There are flags everywhere you go. Manu went, there'd be a, um, his supporters. Um, I will always be a Manu. I'm contemplating a Manu tattoo. So that's, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Um, all right. So I'm going to wrap this up the next week. Kings tonight, Hawks, I believe on the road, Nuggets on the road. Then I believe at home for the Wizards. Um, I hope we go three and one on this. We need to beat the Kings, Hawks, and Wizards for sure. The Nuggets, if we dropped it, I would be okay. But they're fighting for um, their playoff, you know, seeding just like we are. So they're not giving up anytime soon. Um, and we're on a back-to-back that night, coming to Denver, playing in the altitude. So uh, Denver is always a tough place to play, especially with the altitude. So um, if we could go for no, that would be amazing. But um, we, we just really can't afford to have any stupid mental lapses. No no losses to the Kings or Wizards, especially. The Hawks are playing good basketball right now. Trey Young is doing his thing um, and all their little supporting guys. But um, we do not need – those are teams we need to beat. We're a playoff team, um, especially fighting for the seeding. Let's, let's not be playing Golden State first round, you know, being in Oracle the first two games. That's, that does not sound fun. Um, but anyway, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone who listens or follows. Um, I know, uh, like a lot of you guys, you love Spurs basketball, and I am here to uh, kind of digest it and kind of give you guys my take. Um, I will try to be back next week or right before the playoffs, um, and we'll break down uh, the you know who we're playing and what it's going to look like and what we might see from Pop and uh, scheme wise and. We'll just talk Spurs basketball, you know. Anyway, you guys, uh, thank you for listening. Have a great day. We'll uh, talk to you next time.